With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We are live. What's going on, people? Welcome to another installment of the Off the Ball NBA Draft Mock Draft Edition. And I'm excited to uh, have some of the best NBA draft minds on Twitter that, you know, these guys are just tremendous. They're, uh, you know, everyone's, everyone loves, you know, following all the guys in ESPN, Fox Sports, and all these big time networks, Sports Illustrated. But man, I, I've, I've uh, you know, I've, gotten to uh, interact with these guys on Twitter and, you know, they are, you know, some of the, the most brilliant people uh, on Twitter and on, on all the work they do. They, they just do a tremendous job. And, you know, uh, I'm happy to have them here on the second edition of the NBA mock draft episode. So guys, first let's introduce, you know, uh, let's introduce each other, uh, each other, you know, uh, let's go Ethan, tell us a little bit about you and everything you do. I've had you on the show, Ethan, before, you know, uh, way back before when the world was normal, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> right. everything seemed normal in the world. So, uh, just Ethan, just, just, uh, introduce yourself and tell, uh, we're, uh, the people about you. Definitely. Definitely was a different time when I was on the show. We talked for a long time, <laughs> long time yeah. draft back in March. Uh, but oh, appreciate, yeah. appreciate the kind words and for having uh, me on happy to be here today. Um, as for me, I've kind of just, this is my first year putting out draft content, but I've followed it in the past, uh, since I stopped playing basketball in high school and, um, currently in college right now, pursuing sports journalism degree. Uh, I run the prospect podcast, uh, on YouTube and on Spotify and all podcasting platforms. Um, we have an episode a week kind of draft podcast going on. So, uh, happy to be here today, dive into this mock draft and, and kind of see where we stand on, on certain guys and, and team team needs. So, Yes, yes, yes. CT, what's going on, man? I'm happy you're on the show. Thanks for having me. I've, uh, you know, I've been listening to your podcast. You've got, you've been doing a great job with that. Thank you, um, thank you. I just recently graduated from uh, University of Delaware and nice, uh, nice, I've been following nice. the draft from, uh, I'm from New Jersey too. I've been following the draft oh, okay. probably since uh, 2014. So I'm a Nuggets fan. That was like the first year where, you know, the Nuggets really started to build to the draft. So I've been following the draft since then. And, uh, you know, I have a couple of pieces coming out at crownhoops.com. Uh, Got some draft stuff there. I'm going to uh, talk about college basketball as well. And then going into the uh, the bubble at, uh, you know, for the playoffs. So once again, just awesome. thanks for having me on. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And Jam, what's going on, man? 
Hey, how's everybody doing? First of all, appreciate you having me on today. Um, my name is Jamel Hines, short, call me Jam, don't call me Jam. And really just gotten the scouts. Always really love scouting, like everyone here with the passion for basketball and everything. And for the past about five years or so, I've been doing scouting for a company called EV Hoops. Um, but now it's known as BP, BPA Hoops. Um, it was formerly EV Hoops under Lon before Lon left to become a scout for the Lakers. So I'm continuing under the name B, BPA Hoops and also doing some draft covers for the lead sports media as well. Awesome, awesome. Like I said, again, happy to have you all got on the show. So before we get into the, the mock draft, obviously this is a weird, very weird, weird year. Uh, you know, we're, the NBA is about to restart and it's already, you know, it's about to be August. And, you know, the draft has got pushed back to, I believe, October. I mean, that's, that's usually when the season starts. So now, you know, you have all this time to evaluate. You have probably too much time to evaluate, you know. So just talk to me about how you guys have been able to evaluate players with just literally so much time. Like, and it seems like, like you could probably nitpick guys to so much. And it's like, and how much film have you guys watched? Like, is, are you like done with watching film? You're like, all right, how, how much can change from now till October? I mean, they can't, not, not a lot can change, you know, it's not like they're playing any, you know, they can't play, you know, uh, the NSA tournament. I wish they could, they start March Madness a little late, but you know, <laughs> that would be cool. But, you know, just talk to me about the evaluation process and how things have changed for you, for, for each one of you guys and as far as the process. Ethan, you go. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's pretty wild. Like, honestly, I, I took like a week break out from watching 2020 guys last week because I, I felt like I was just burned out and I don't want to do too much nitpicking to where I'm going back and overthinking my initial evaluations that would yeah, normally yeah, be done yeah. by this time. So I've kind of I've, I've started to dive into more 2021, 2022 guys and some of the returners coming back for next year. Uh, but I, I'm planning to really kind of pick it up and do my last sweep. If you will. I don't think much will change with where I'm at in my board, especially at the top, at least uh, from now until October, because it's just so much extra time. But it definitely is interesting. You know, you get you pick up on tendencies, maybe a little bit more uh, and some, you know, hidden talents that certain guys have that you didn't catch on at, catch on on, on first. Uh, so it's it's an interesting thing, but I, I mean, it, it does kind of it does kind of throw a wrench in it when you, you know, you don't want to initially you don't want to overthink your initial evaluations uh, with this much time on your hands. Jim, yeah, absolutely. A lot of what Ethan really said. You don't want to over evaluate and really you know overwatch at this point. For the most part, you should be pretty comfortable with the evaluation of most guys. Maybe you want to just see a couple games here and there. But for the most part, you have a pretty firm evaluation at this time. I've really been using a good amount of the time watching old NBA games um, from this past season and last year, kind of recalibrate the eye, seeing what exactly transfers, so what exactly works, what sets are still um, are effective, and how people could translate that way as well. What about you, CT? Uh, I basically I've watched you know all the prior games at the time you know when they were played. And then, uh, like Ethan and Jam said, there's a lot of, you know, tendency to overthink, you know, prospects now and, you know, just going back and, and watching all the players. And I basically my board has is, is been pretty set, you know, for one to maybe maybe 30. It's pretty set right now. Just a little minor tweaks. And uh, like Ethan said, I'll probably do one more sweep through, of you know, watching games of, you know, certain prospects, seeing, you know, if anything changed in my evaluation process. And then definitely also just going through, you know, each player's statistical profile as well, just to see if, if I haven't, you know, seen anything. 
Okay, okay. All right. So let's get into it. Let's get into the mock draft. So we've uh, for the viewers, we decided that Ethan will start with the number one pick. I'll I'll go with the second, uh, Jam third, and then CT four. So we'll keep it in that order after that. So let's go. Let's start. We got the Golden State Warriors. Ethan, you're the GM. You're on the clock. Who's the pick? Picks in already. Yeah, we, we've had we've had a little bit <laughs> we've had a little bit of time to think this one over. <laughs> but uh, going with uh, big man on Yeka Kongwu from USC. Oh, okay. uh, he's my number two overall player on my board. Uh, and one of my favorite fits for the Warriors, I definitely could see a scenario where the Warriors trade down here for someone like Denny or Tyrese Halliburton uh, or even Anthony Edwards in, in a case, uh, kind of developing him in a low usage role behind Klay Thompson and Steph Curry. I like a Kongu for the Warriors a lot because it's the he's the best big man in the draft uh, and they need big guys on their team. Kevon Looney's a, a solid a big guy, but with a Kongu, you're getting a mobile switch big. Uh, I think he's an excellent just straight-up team fit for the Warriors. He's going to be able to play in the playoffs. He's not going to be a liability in the playoffs. Uh, excellent hands, can run the pick and roll. Uh, I think he's got great touch, too. I buy him as a uh, developing shooter. I think that he's going to um, develop from, you know, he didn't shoot many threes this year at USC, but going back to his high school days, Chino Hills and whatnot, uh, he had a willingness to shoot from the outside, so I'm buying that as a, as a skill that should develop for him and make him a you know versatile stretch big in the NBA, um, so I, I like the fit of a Kongu at one for the Warriors. Nice, nice. What do you guys feel about that pick? TT, uh, I like the, I like the pick. I definitely think that's a, a unique pick because I haven't seen a lot of people have you know Onyeka in maybe you know the top the top two. I've seen him more maybe it's like a top five guy. But I think that's an interesting pick, you know, he, him playing with Curry and, and Clay Thompson. I think he'll be having a lot of, you know, gravity rolling to the rim. Also, too, I think he's a, he's a really good short uh, short roll passer as well. So when teams double the ball for Curry and Clay, uh, I think he'll have a lot of uh, open looks for decision making. And I also think, like Ethan said, I think he'll be able to stretch out his range and, and be able to shoot threes eventually down the line, too. So I think it's a really good pick. Yeah. How about you, Jam? How do you feel about that pick? Yeah, absolutely. I, I love the pick as well. And really with the Warriors, just with their style of play, their scheme, just the talent they have, they're just pretty versatile to get anyone that they really want here. Um, training downs is the option that we can say, but they really can go anywhere there. Anthony Edwards would be a great fit there as well. Um, I, I love the pick. Yeah, that, he's definitely, you know, uh, he's definitely uh, would be a tremendous fit for the Golden State Warriors. And you know, they definitely need a big, and that's definitely a big that could definitely do a whole lot of things for them and definitely help them out big time. So that's the pick. Okamu is going number one to Golden State. So we got Cleveland, and I'm on the clock with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And uh, obviously, you know, uh, things uh, things have changed a lot since LeBron's left. It seems, <laughs> it seems like uh, when LeBron leaves, they just fall out of the face of the earth, and they're always uh, uh, always in the top of the draft. It's uh, been in the lottery. So uh, – I feel I feel like this is Anthony Edwards. It's got to be Anthony Edwards here. They need it, you know. He his he's built like a tank, you know. He he's built like a tank. He and he has, you know, uh, so much potential. And obviously, potential could get you fired, you know. But you know, they they're building. You know, they, I can't give him a point guard here because they already have, you know, Darius Garland and they got Colin Sexton. So I can't give him a guard here. I, I feel like they'll take the the 
you know, they'll take Anthony Edwards here, who's shown, you know, the, like I said, the potential. Obviously, he got to work on some things, shot selection and all that. But you know, he, he's a he, he's chiseled. He, he he's he, he could ha- potentially be the the help, you know, bring that uh, franchise back to uh, some prominence. So I think Anthony Edwards would definitely be the pick here. So Anthony Edwards goes to two. How do you guys feel about Anthony Edwards? Yeah, I mean, it's again high upside, like you said, potential can get you fired. Um, I, I'm a little bit more skeptical on Edwards. He's not he's not one of my my top three guys, but I definitely understand the pick here. I, I think on a number of mock drafts that I've done, uh, Ant Man's ended up going to Cleveland. It's because they're kind of a weird team in terms of fit. Got yeah. two young guards and Sexton and Garland. Maybe they trade one away. Uh, but also, uh, you know, a, a room of experienced big guys, including newly acquired Andre Drummond, Kevin Love still on the roster. Um, so Edwards has the ability to also kind of play a wing role. Maybe you throw out a three guard set with with Edwards, Sexton and Garland and see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely interesting. And, and obviously a guy just with tremendous upside and he just needs to uh, you know develop it and especially defensively uh, and kind of with his decision making. And you could see a, a future you know top tier player in the NBA. Oh, yeah, for sure. What about you, CT? I think it's a great pick. Um, I definitely think that, uh, you know, management, Cleveland management would probably have to trade one of Sexton or Garland. But I think uh, Edwards and uh, Kevin Porter Jr. would be a really, really dynamic backcourt, especially in terms of the shot making, the versatility, you know, cutting, passing. I think Kevin Porter would take some pressure off Edwards in terms of, you know, letting him roam around a little bit and, you know, him and catch and shoot. So, I think him and also Kevin Love, add Kevin Love to the mix with him as well. I think uh, they'd be a really good uh, duo. What about you, Jim? Yeah, Edwards there, I worry a little bit about the fit with Cleveland, especially about the guards, what they're going to do with the rotation. Um, like Ethan said, they probably throw out a few three-guard lineups in that situation. Um, but I'm a big fan of Kevin Porter Jr. I had him in the top five. Actually, on my board last year, um, took some tremendous flashes this past season as well. And they could be a dynamic backcourt. You still have Garland there, Sexton there, so you can kind of mix and match. The my only issue there, I just, I just said, is the fit. So I would like to have Kevin Porter operate a little more as my primary to see what he has. He's shown um, pretty good decision-making in the past. I mean, iffy, but the flashes there with his past and his vision. So I would like to kind of further flush that, um, um, that out as well with him. Is one of my primaries, so we can get a little sketchy in that situation. Um, but I think we can take the best talent available there. Okay, all right. So Anthony Edwards goes to Cleveland, and we have the Minnesota Timberwolves. They are on the clock. Minnesota here is in a very interesting situation. I mean, looking for someone to play alongside Cat, possibly alongside um, Elo as well. But here at three. I'm going to go with LaMelo. LaMelo, he is the number one overall prospect on my board. He falls here. I feel like he takes the best player available. I believe they can work alongside of, of Russell. You do have two pretty big guards there as well. They can really work alongside of each other. I like Russell more as an attack mode scoring. You can have LaMelo have the ball in his hands a little bit more, play pick and roll cat. So I do like that as well. And you see what Culver has. They do need some help on the wing. I thought about topping here. I'm a little higher topping. Uh, I think you have to go. Um, obviously, it has to be schemed around to an extent, but here I, I, I couldn't go that high with them. Okay, LaMelo Ball. Where, where do you guys have LaMelo Ball rank? I mean, he's one of the most polarizing players in this draft. I feel like we've 
we've known about LaMelo for like 10 years, it feels like, you know, because he's been in the news so much for, for everything he's done, all the, you know, go, the UCLA stuff going overseas, Lithuania. He feels like he's been everywhere and he's only like, what, 19, 18 years old. <laughs> so he's been in the limelight. So where do, where do you guys have uh, LaMelo Ball ranked uh, on your big board? I mean, he's the best prospect in the draft, uh, like Jam said. I, I, he's almost, I've almost put him in his own tier in terms of, of prospects uh, for maybe just tier one alone. Uh, I think his, his skill of just instinctual passing, making reads that literally would be difficult for anyone else or, you know, most 99% of the world except him. He just makes these passes. He makes these full court passes, these reads, cross court, whatever it is, um, you know, his manipulation off screens. Uh, I buy him as a shooter. Uh, he's 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 gonna be he's gonna be an excellent NBA player uh, based off his passing ability alone, based off his vision. He's gonna bring that to a team. He's gonna be able to operate and run an NBA offense from day one. And I personally am I, I've bought his maturity side a lot more than most. This is a guy that's grown up a lot in the last two years from his days at Chino Hills. Um, and you know any concerns about Lavar or the family being in the picture is just it's not in good taste in my opinion at all. I mean Lavar hasn't really been, uh, you know, a, a changing figure on Lonzo's career. And we've seen how Lonzo's grown over the last two years. So mm -hmm. I think you throw that out the window for anyone listening that's concerned about that. And you take the best player in the draft. I, I love the pick here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What do you guys think? CT? I agree for sure. Um, I think against like kind of like the mainstream in my board, I have – uh, Edwards, the number one, like 1A, and Lamella Ball, 1B right now. But that can change before the draft because I watch more and, you know, it's my decision-making process. But especially Lamella Ball with Carl Towns, I think that'd be a perfect fit. You know, him and Carl Towns in the pick and roll, I think that's going to be virtually unstoppable. <laughs> that'd be really, really, really good duo. Um, the thing with Lamella is I'm, I, the passing is, is excellent. You know, top tier, really special. The thing I worry about with him is just in terms of, of scoring and I don't know if teams – are going to, you know, play his passing, obviously, and just try to turn into a score. But overall, I think it's a, it's a really good pick. Okay. I do want to add one quick thing before Minnesota fans get on about <laughs> defense. Have yes, yes. Town. Uh, <laughs> so I think uh, it's too much criticism with defense. I think he's better defensive than what he's getting credit for. Yeah, of course. Um, but I do like Lomelo. I mean, what he does with the size six, six, seven, he has good instincts defensively. Yes, he can get lost, and you no, know, those things happen. But I do like defensive upside there. And against somebody that in his prime is going to be a triple double threat and can run the show for you and freeze up below the score. Yeah, he's definitely uh, he, he's number one on my bit. I've uh, I've I used to worry about all those stuff, like what Ethan said about VAR and all that early in the process. Like, damn, like, it, especially like for New York in particular, like to me, like I thought I was scared. I got, it, it scared me like New York, LaMelo, LaVar, like that scares you. But as you, 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 you see that he's, he had really has matured and LaVar is not that big of an issue anymore. Like you, like you said, with, with, uh, with Lonzo, you don't really hear that much, you know, uh, but, uh, you know, he's definitely, you know, I, I like I said, the passing is tremendous and his playmaking. And, you know, I know people worry about his efficiency, but, you know, I feel like with better teammates around them, that, that will be better. So, uh, you know, that can't go wrong with LaMelo here. So LaMelo's off the board. We got the Atlanta Hawks. CT. Figures in for the Hawks, and we're going to go with Killian Hayes. 
Okay. And I think this is, you know, I've seen on Twitter that this might be a little bit of a controversial fit for Trey Young, but, mm -hmm. but I do find that Julian Hayes will help set up Trey Young, uh, you know, letting Pat have less pressure out there on offense uh, in terms of freeing him up off the ball where he could operate as a, uh, a catch-and-shoot player uh, in terms of, you know, I know you want, obviously, Trey Young to have the ball in his hands at all times, but I really think this would aid in Trey Young's versatility as a catch-and-shoot player. And I think Killian Hayes, you know, he's he's the whole package. I've seen people have him from, you know, number one all the way down to, you know, number five. But I think his fit with Trey Young would be really, really good, especially him and uh, Clint Capella, too. I think he'd be a really good, uh, you know, lob threat for Killian Hayes. You know, Hayes, he's got – you know, he improved across the board this year in all aspects of his game, you know, mm -hmm. in, in terms of shooting, in terms of defense. He's got positional size of 6'5". So I think him and Trey Young could potentially share the backcourt together, you know, along with Cam Reddish too, who also made strides this year. Yeah, Horta too. Yeah, Kevin Horta. They they got they got some talent in definitely uh, Kevin Herder for sure. Yeah, they, they definitely sure. have some talent there, and that would be a, a very interesting backcourt, you know. Uh, with Killian. do you guys worry anything about you know Killian and just him being so dominant, you no know, left-handed dominant? I know that's probably the one thing people have worried about. But I feel like that can definitely be worked on at the next level with, with the right coaching and all that. So, what are you guys thoughts about you know that that one, that that feels like that's his number one weakness with uh, when you evaluate Killian? Yeah, I mean, it's I, I think you know my thing is we don't we don't ever get mad at anybody for going right all the time. So why should yeah. we get mad at someone for going left? But no, it's it's it's, a, it's a definitely a concern that and and um, and uh, you know his his off catch shooting, his off catch off ball value really. Uh, when the ball's out of his hands, he's going to have to make strides in terms of, you know, returning value as an off-ball player if he's in that kind of situation. And especially with Atlanta now, uh, it's an interesting fit because he's not going to have the ball in his hands as much as he would with, say, New York or uh, Detroit or another team. Mm -hmm. uh, so he's going to have to return value off the ball. But if he does become a better off-catch shooter, I mean, you're looking at a guy who in the last year alone has made such insane strides, insane development. Uh, has added a step back to his game off dribble shooting uh, that we just didn't see before. Uh, and so he's, he's definitely on the developmental curve of becoming that, uh, you know, off ball player that, you know, he, he just, he then affects the game in so many different ways. Oh yeah, for sure. He's been working with Will Bynum too. Uh, also. Uh, so, I um, mean, that's, that's someone yeah. that's, a, that's definitely, uh, he's definitely working. So uh, Killian Ace, he's definitely, he's my number two guy, you know? Uh, so, I'm really high on Killian, so I think that's definitely that would be a dynamic backcourt uh, in Atlanta and continue that read because it feels like they're going in the right direction for sure in Atlanta. So that's a really good fit in that backcourt. Um, I think very similar to what the D'Lo and Lamelo pairing both can play on and off the ball. You can free up Trey to get off screens, do his thing as well, and then kind of give him in the time uh, um, share with that primary point guard. Duties. Obviously, you want Trey to have that. That's where he's at his best. Should be able to take some of that facilitation and playmaking responsibility and that burden. And then defensively, I like killing defensively as well as upside. Yes, he's a solid and then, and when you, you have those long guards, I mean those long wings. When you have Reddish and you have Hunter, um, I like Herder as well. And then you have a rim protector back there and Capella. Mm -hmm. So you you really can go. Um, in this route when you have those type of defenders and versatility behind you. And John Collins. John Collins, too, yeah. I, mean, I guess, Like I said, they 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 have a bright future for sure. They definitely have a bright future. So the, adding Killian would just enhance that even more. 
So, uh, all right, we got Killian off the board. We got the Detroit Pistons. They are on the clock. Yeah, so, I mean, Detroit, I think, is is one of the few teams in this draft. We talk a lot about teams looking to potentially trade down in this draft. Mm-hmm. I think Detroit is one of the few teams that would benefit from trading up oh, uh, because they're my number my number one and two best fits for this team are uh, LaMelo and Killian. And, you know, judging that they are off the board in the last two picks, yeah. uh, I'm going to go best player available here. That's Denny Avdia. And I think the strides that he's made uh, kind of staying on that, you know, development side, especially recently, it's obviously in a small sample size, but you're looking mm-hmm. at a guy that's had almost a complete overhaul of his shot, his yeah. upper body mechanics, especially uh, from when I first evaluated him last December or so. And now you're watching the guy. I think he ended up shooting around 47, 48% in this recent uh, you know, spurt since we returned, uh, returned playing in the Israeli league. And he was, I mean, he was almost a different play. It almost it took his game to just another level. And you're looking at a guy that's going to have great defensive versatility. And my biggest swing skill for Denny was, uh, you know, the development of his off-the-catch shot. And I think he's already started to make strides in that realm. And, I mean, if, you know, if you're shooting 48%, obviously you don't expect him to shoot 48% in the NBA right away. Yeah. It, it, but just becoming league, league average would, uh, would be really – solid for him he's the number one guy in terms of just glue guys in this draft for me because i think he can fit anywhere and with the pistons uh he's going to fit into kind of a young but also older team you don't know what we're going to do with blake griffin yet uh but you know fitting him into that roster i I think that he he'll have a chance to maximize his value yeah for sure he's definitely he he looks like he's just bulked up too like he's gotten stronger and all that so i mean he's uh he's definitely another intriguing prospect for sure so the New York Knicks are on the clock. The New York Knicks. And like you said with Detroit, I feel like the Knicks want one of, you know, LaMelo or Killian Hayes. I feel like, they, you know, that's their target. And if they stay at six and the way the board it just went, obviously they're not there. So I think they're definitely a, a candidate to trade up. But we'll, we'll, at this point, we'll, you know, they have the six pick and – you know, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they handle it. But with the six pick, uh, I did this in my first mock draft, and I'm going to do it again. And I'm going to go Kyra Lewis from Alabama. I, I just like feel, I feel like he's rising up the, the charts. He, he's just so fast. I feel like the Knicks have to play faster style. And I just feel like, you know, he gives me some Kobe White, you know, feels. And you saw what he did with Chicago, especially later season where he was just balling out. And I feel like they need that type of player fast, you know, just a playmaker. He could get to the hole. I think that would be a perfect fit. That would help R.J. Barrett. You know, that would help Mitchell Robinson. You know, I just think that's, that would be a great fit. And, you know, uh, definitely definitely uh, excite, you know, the New York Knicks fans. But, I, like I said, I think they would be a candidate here to trade up. But in this situation, if, if he's there at six, I, I'm taking Kyra Lewis. What do you guys like feel about that? I like this pick a lot for the Knicks. A lot of my friends want Kira Lewis because they're Knicks fans too. They yeah. want Kira Lewis for the Knicks. I think also you could allow R.J. Barrett to handle the ball a little bit more because Kira Lewis is a pretty adept uh, catch-and-shoot player as well. You know, he'd also make them play faster. And him and Mitch Robinson, I feel like, in the pick-and-roll would be a, a really, really good duo. Exactly. With, uh, you know, they have to, you know, get some more force bases out there instead oh, of playing yeah. all those big men. But yeah, yeah. I really think that would be a really, really dynamic fit with him and Barrett in the backcourt, you know, adding in also, too, with the uh, new coach and, and Tom Thibodeau as well. Yeah. What do you guys feel? Jam, how do you feel about this? 
Honestly, I'm a little surprised from the go. Well, listening to the podcast previously, I, I had, had an idea where you were going, but for me, that's just a little bit too high, only because I don't have full faith of Lewis becoming the guy that's going to be my point guard and lead my guy, my, my guys for 10 years plus. If that's what you do believe, then I completely understand that thing. I do think his value is going to end up being off the bench as a backup and be able to do his damage with his speed that way. And then I'm a little concerned about the shooting with him and RJ. I think they're both better shooters they get credit for, but as far as we need to have shooting and legitimate shooting on the floor, that's where I get a little nervous. I could definitely see that. What about you, Eaton? Yeah, I mean, I could go I could go either way here. I'm kind of with Jam, and I'm also with you and CT in that. I really, I'm, I'm really a big fan of, of, of Kyra Lewis, and you know, he's risen a lot for me recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the biggest thing that I've noticed you know, watching the NBA again is that the game is so much faster at the NBA level than it is in college, than it is in these other levels. And, you know, you're looking at a guy like Lewis. He's definitely, I would say, probably one of the, the quickest players, quick twitch in this draft. Uh, so I think his game his game's going to translate just fine. It's just, you know, it, it's all about where do you, you know, gauge his value. Because I think a realistic, uh, you know, median outcome for Lewis is to be, a premier potential six man in the NBA, kind of like Jam said, utilizing his speed, utilizing his scoring ability, playmaking ability, coming off screens, uh, mm-hmm. off the bench. Um, I don't buy him fully as a primary guy that can, you know, potentially lead your franchise to an NBA title. I think that's obvious. Otherwise, he'd be probably with Lamelo and Killian in that top three. But I think you know, with where the Knicks are, it almost makes sense to potentially trade down and then pick Lewis at maybe 10, 11, or twelve. Mm-hmm. While also turning some draft capital, but I think at six, especially in this scenario, he's the next next big, best point guard on on my board, uh, and it makes sense just in terms of fit. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that, and that's why I I feel like I I feel like the Knicks are going to do whatever it takes if they fall around this range, they're going to do whatever it takes to try to move up and get Lamelo, especially Lamelo Ball. It feels like you know, all the rumors I hear they they want Lamelo, they want the star, you know they. You know, they wanted to start Zion last year, and that didn't work out. And I feel like they're going to do whatever it takes to get LaMelo to New York. So I think, you know, that's the most likely case. But, you know, uh, I could definitely see if if that doesn't work out and that doesn't happen, I could definitely see them trade it down for, for a guy like for Kyra Lewis. So uh, we'll see. We'll definitely see. All right. We got the Chicago Bulls. They are on the clock. The Bulls, I'm sure they will be interesting um pick in this situation only because they can do so many things if they want to go and trade Levine, as we heard. Um, both teams in New York supposed to have interest in getting Levine. Um, you have to figure out what you want to do fit-wise with Larkin then and um, Wendell Carter. Both are probably best at the four. Uh, these Wendell's comfortable pushing a lot of different ways here, but I'm going to go with Devin Vassell. I think he has a very high four here as a legitimate 3 and D guy. I do buy into the shot creation, but for me, he's he's the type of guy that I like because it's what I, he's a specialist plus is what I like to call it. So I know he's going to be a three and D guy, and he has ability to do more. So there's some flashes of playmake, although it'll never be a primary or secondary guy, but in a tertiary role within the offense, he has that. He's a versatile defender to do at the point of attack. Maybe can defend some small ball fours. We'll see, but at least can defend one through three and um. Being able to provide that defense and shooting that all teams need. 
Yeah, I mean, he, he was a dog. I mean, that Florida State team, I mean, they had a bunch of dogs on that team, uh, especially defensively. So, uh, so Vassal is another guy who's definitely climbing up the boards, too. And a 3 and D guy like that, I mean, that's what the league is about, you know, 3 and D. You got to have a – you can never have enough of those guys. So, for Chicago, that would be definitely a tremendous pick. So, uh, we got Vassal just going. We got the Charlotte – I'm about to say the Bobcats. Wow, I almost messed up there. The Charlotte Hornets. Wow, the Bobcats. Well, what a terrible. That was terrible. But uh, the Charlotte Hornets are on the clock. Uh, for the Charlotte Hornets, we're going to go with a surprise pick here, and we're going to go with Alexi Pokashevsky. Oh, and, and you said it right, too. That's what's great. I could, I, I took him in the line. I couldn't. I butchered the name. I, hope, I just called right. <laughs> I okay. think this is – I think, you know, for the Charlotte – a team like the Charlotte Hornets, they have to go, you know, with the highest upside in the draft in my opinion. So I think Pogoshevsky, you know, arguably he probably has, I mean, maybe in terms of like LaMelo or Anthony Edwards, he probably has like the top three highest upsides in the draft. Mm -hmm. And I also think, you know, him and PJ Washington would be a really nice, you know, combination also with, you know, Devontae Graham and Terry Rozier. He could free them up a little bit more because Alexi Pogoshevsky is, you know, his passing is, is off the charts. And, you know, I'm, I'm a Nuggets fan. So I've seen a lot of, you know, Jokic and, and his types of passing. And I, he reminds me, you're not, you know, fully Jokic, but he, his, some of his passing flashes remind me of a young Jokic, you know, where he could, he could pass in all types of scenarios, you know, offensively. And also, too, he could, you know, catch and shoot. He could, you know, shoot off movement as well. So for a team like the Hornets, you know, I really think in order for them to, you know, regain some relevancy and, you know, contend for a, you know, a playoff spot, they got to go with the highest upside in the draft. And I think Alexei Pokashevsky gives them that for sure. Yeah, for sure. He he's uh he's definitely a versatile big. I could do a little bit of everything. So uh, you know, how do you feel about you know? Obviously, the one thing people might worry about him is competition. That's always going to be the worry with competition. How do you feel about you know the competition he's played against, and you know how that translates to the pros? I you know I think that's definitely uh you know a concern, especially in my evaluation, you know my board. But just in terms of you know the upside and the passing flash as well. You know, going back to like a guy, like I said, I'll bring up again, Nikola Jokic, like the competition back in the Adriatic League, you know, they didn't think that he was, you know, that good back then. I'm not going to compare the two prospects, but definitely mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, the upside of what he has, you know, the passing flashes, the, the shooting off of movement, you know, you can use him in, you know, pick and pop, pick and roll. There's so many things in, like offensively that he could use. And also and to, he's about, what, 6'11", maybe even seven foot. I mean, he's got positional size. He's got versatility. I believe, you know, eventually he'll be able to protect the, protect the rim. So, you know, him and P.J. Washington, I really think going forward, you know, in the front court, that'd be a really, really nice combination, both offensively and defensively. Yeah, they, they could definitely use it because they, 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 they definitely need a lot of pieces to, uh, to get this going, uh, Charlotte, especially after losing Kemba. Right. So, uh, all right, we got Washington, the Washington Wizards are on the clock. Uh, so at nine with the Wizards, uh, CT kind of took my guy. Uh, Poku is a top five guy for me in this draft. I completely agree with everything that he said. My bad. Uh, no, no. <laughs> but trust me, I, I've had him at that spot to the to the Hornets before too, and it's it's a really nice fit. I think, you know, with the Wizards at nine, it's another kind of interesting team. Uh, you don't know what the future holds for John Wall. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we know what he can do when he's healthy, and he's on the and he's on a basketball court. Bradley Beal. Uh, not not even playing in the Orlando restart. So I, I'm going with my best player available here. There's another guy, super high upside, but I also feel like he has a really safe uh, base to build around. That's Patrick Williams, the other Florida State guy. Um, I'm super big on big, big, big wing guys in the NBA. I think you need two to three big wings to really stop some of the, uh, you know, true wing 
true top tier wing initiators in the NBA. Uh, the biggest concern or one of the bigger concerns with Patrick Williams, and it was actually a strength at, at first uh, amongst you know many talking heads, was his defensive versatility. Uh, often Leonard Hamilton had him guarding even ones and twos and some of the top guys uh, in the ACC at Florida State. Uh, but his hips, uh, and I've seen even that his quads are too big, and so that he might struggle you know, staying in front of guys on the perimeter. It's certainly interesting. Uh, I think if you're using him as someone that's stopping an archetype similar to uh, not saying these kind of players, but Kawhi or LeBron, that kind of body type, um, then I, I think, you know, using him the right way, he'll start off guarding probably primarily fours in the NBA, but offer value as a pick and roll ball handler, uh, spot up shooter, I think both ways rebounder, uh, and will still show showcase some defensive versatility, maybe even deployed as a small ball five in, in some cases. So I, I'm a really big fan of Patrick Williams in this draft. And again, I'm there on the upside, but I also think he has a really good base to build around. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely a, a very another versatile big that can do a lot of things. And uh, like I said, part of the, that Florida State team that just got a bunch of dogs on that team. So he's definitely a he, he's def, that's definitely a solid pick for uh, for Washington. All right, so we got Phoenix up. I'm up with Phoenix, and uh, there's one guy that's that's dropping in this draft, but I'm not going to take him here. Uh, I'm going to go with Obi Toppin here. Uh, gives them, uh, you know, an instant impact score, you know, a guy who's super athletic and, you know, to add that to that team with, with Booker, Oubre, Aiton, and, uh, you know, I think that would be a tremendous fact. Obviously, he's, you know, he's got his flaws defensively, but, uh, you know, uh, you know, to get a guy that could come in and, and and be an instant impact, you know, score to help Book, you know, they got to keep Book there somewhere. You know, they got to make him happy. So to get a guy like Toppin there – to help him with the scoring and all that, I think that would be a, a tremendous pick. And uh, what? Let me ask you guys. And I, and I talked about this on the last show. Obviously, there's obviously people bring up his age, and that he's old. Hold on, he's old. I mean, 21 years, 21, 22. I don't, I, I don't know how that's old, but it's old in today's NBA where everyone's coming in at 19 years old. Does that worry about you as far as upside? You know, because he kind of, he kind of, you know, he kind of came out of nowhere. You know, he, he, his. his you know, he just rose and, you know, he was, you know, player of the year. And it would have been really fun to see him in the NCAA tournament to see, you know, uh, him grow even more and see how he would have flourished uh, in the tournament. But does does that worry about you as far as with his upside with uh, Toppin? Because I, I kind of feel like that's kind of been overblown as far as his age. Because I feel like he'll come in and he's just going to be, you know, he's going to be ready to play. He's, his maturity is just is off the charts. So I feel like that would actually benefit him being a little older. What do you guys feel about that with Toppin? Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I think that's not even. That, that's not something I really consider as a as a weakness for Toppin. He is what he is. I think he's 22 and a half years old by the time that uh, the draft will go on. Uh, and I'm personally on the lower side with Toppin. I just I don't believe in his defense. He like I think Jam said earlier. He's gonna have to really be schemed around uh, defensively to be successful. And my personal thing is, I worry will he provide enough offensive impact in a much smaller sample? much lower usage rate than he had the ball at Dayton, obviously in a great offense too. Yeah. Uh, in the NBA, he's not going to have the ball in his hands that much. Will he provide enough value offensively to make up for his defensive negatives? Uh, however, I do like the fit here with Phoenix. Uh, you're getting the, probably the best lob threat in the draft for Devin Booker. Uh, so yeah. it's, it's certainly interesting for off, you know, offensive purposes. D-Book has his, has his struggles defensively, I think, but he's definitely excelled as a playmaker recently. And mm -hmm. just putting them two in a pick and roll could definitely be super interesting uh, with, with Toppin's offensive versatility. 
Yeah. What do you guys feel about uh about topping it, Jam? Well, topping is actually where I want to go with my next pick, but I think it's gonna be a great pick, like you're saying, playing that pick and roll, pick and pop out there in Phoenix. Um, you can help them be able to move the ball, um, be able to make plays out of the pick and roll. But yeah, defensively there's an issue. Um, you see if Aiden continue to develop on that end, and if you have other guys there who can be uh, good team defenders, hopefully. Mm-hmm. How you feel about that, CT? I feel about Toppin. I like I like Toppin's game, especially offensively. You know, he's a dribble shoot pass big. Uh, the defense is definitely a concern. Where I think he's going to have to be schemed for you know whoever's coaching the team. He's definitely gonna have to play against. Uh, he's definitely gonna have to play with a defensively minded big. Mm-hmm. But I really think that in my evaluation, in terms of you know watching the playoffs, I really think the offense is going to outweigh the defensive concerns. You know, where he's going to be able to – he's a really good passer. You know, he could pass out of the post. He could pass, you know, out of the short roll. You know, he could pass in so many different ways. Also, the shooting was a big improvement this year. You know, he's good in the post as well. Yeah, he's tremendous in the post. He's, he's bullying people in the post. That's a- Definitely. He's a top-tier athlete as well. So, I really think that, you know, the offensive, you know, value that he has will outweigh his defense. Yeah. But I do think there are, there are definitely concerns with him, though, for sure. Yeah. And and I and I agree with that. I feel like all his offensive tools are going to outweigh the defense stuff, you know. Uh, and I think that's just that's going to be valuable for, especially. I feel like Phoenix would be a great fit for him, you know, uh, with Book and all that. And, and and the that's another team that's ascending to it. They add him to that team. That that could be uh they could be something. So uh, we got topping off the board, and we got the San Antonio Spurs. It's weird. We're talking about the San Antonio Spurs in the lottery. I mean. When's the last time that happened? I mean, Tim Duncan, <laughs> that might be the last time. So San Antonio is on the clock. Well, San Antonio, um, I'm going to go with Cole Anthony here. Ooh, Anthony. I think this is a good fit for Cole with the structure and everything that they have around and their history with player development. I think there's, he has an excellent one-on-one game there with score to bounce. There is some upside as a passer, but I don't like him as my primary. He can be a secondary guy. He can start in the right situations. I think, um, you know, similar with a – if you play in Philadelphia, if you have someone like Simmons, if there's another initiator of Gilkey playing that kind of Jamal Murray type of role, I think his ultimate value will be off the bench, and I'm totally fine with getting that here if he's a six-man type. Uh, that's totally fine with me. Um, as most people – Recognize with UNC, one of the most talented teams they've had. The space they struggled for sure. They were pretty terrible. Um, I was down there scouting their game um, against UVA, UNC, and UVA to kind of see in person some of their spacing. On top of some of the decisions that Cole was making, he has to become a better decision maker, which is part of the reason why he's not a primary. But I do like him here in this situation, being able to be in that and you know get that get that Spurs magic on you, if, if you will. I thought about R.J. Hampton here, um, a little bit Tyrese Maxey, um, um, Isaac Curl as well, but I thought there was some duplication there with Keldon Johnson and DeWante Murray. Okay, yeah. Cole Anthony, uh, you know, dealt with a lot of injuries, and then obviously UNC, I mean, that team just – they fell apart this year. So, uh, you know, uh, at one point he was probably considered a, what, a top three pick at one point, beginning of the year. And sure. you know, uh, he, he'll fall a little bit, but still, I think someone will get a solid player for sure with Cole Anthony. All right, we got Sacramento on the clock. All right, so the Sacramento Kings are going to go with Isaac Okoro at this pick. I was definitely thinking about Tyrese Maxey here, but I really think that the backcourt would have been a little bit undersized with you know him, Fox, and 
and Buddy Heald. So I've been watching a lot of, you know, Harry Giles and the scrimmages lately, and he's someone who's, you know, he's been really producing lately, and yeah. he's another one of those bigs who can really pass, you know, from the elbow. He can pass to the top of the key. And I think, you know, in terms of Okoro reaching his, you know, his ceiling or his, you know, highest upside, he's going to have to shoot the ball. I don't think there's any question about that. Yeah, but yeah. in terms of playing with, uh, you know, De'Aaron Fox likes to push the pace. You know, they have a lot of high athletes. You know, Buddy Heald's also, you know, elite shooter. So I think, you know, they can optimize his cutting. You know, he's a very good cutter. I also think that he can play in a small ball four role where he could guard, you know, up and down the lineup. He could guard point guards. He could guard, you know, bigger wings. He could even probably guard some fours, maybe even some maybe even some centers, honestly, maybe down the line. So I think that, you know, having the spacing around him and, and some playmaking, I think that it'll kind of mask some of his, you know, offensive deficiencies. But, you know, he's definitely going to have to shoot the ball. But, you know, in terms of best defender in the class – I really think that, you know, Coro definitely can hold that title for sure. Yeah, definitely another versatile way. If he works on that shooting, man, and you add that to San Antonio, I mean, Sacramento, man, that's that's definitely a good pick. But they have to get healthy too. A lot, You know, Harry Giles is someone who has had his health issues and obviously Bagley, you know, uh, his health issues and, and Bogdanovich too is another, you know, uh, health issue. So if they can get guys healthy and add Isaiah Coro to that, you know, as a wing defender, I mean, they, they can definitely, uh, you know, uh, with the Aaron Fox there, that definitely could do some things. So uh, that that definitely be a solid pick. So, all right, we got the, the, the New Orleans Pelicans on the clock. Obviously, you know, Pelicans, they got a whole bunch of talent there. So uh, we got the Pelicans. Who are they taking? Yeah, right off the bat, you mentioned a team with a bunch of young talent, a bunch of uh, budding young guys mixed with a few veterans like Drew Holiday as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and I kind of went back and forth on this one between taking one of the best linking players in this draft in Tyrese Halliburton uh, and my best player available, which is Tyrese Maxey here. I think it's a really good fit for the Pelicans. You get another score. Uh, this is also a team where it's not, you know, he doesn't have to go into the situation right away playing either the definitive one or two spot. We don't really know whether Maxey's a one or two yet. Yeah. I lean towards more as, uh, of him as a secondary off-ball two guy. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, I think offensively, 28% from three this year at Kentucky. Uh, I put out a video recently about how I think he's going to become definitely a projectable shooter in the NBA with his tools, with his touch, uh, volume, long twos, all that, his mechanics and whatnot. Uh, he's got a great base on his shot. So I think Maxi, I'm not really worried about him becoming at least a league average shooter in the NBA. I think where he's really going to return value, especially with the Pelicans, is as a point of attack defender. He's an absolute dog on the perimeter. Uh, I, I love him guarding ones. Uh, and checking guys maybe even in short spurts off the bench or in whatever role he's in. And he's doing it with one of the best, too, in Drew Holiday and in Lonzo Ball there. So I, I'm, I think that's definitely a, an interesting backcourt. Yeah. And to add Zion to that, who could possibly be, you know, with his athleticism to be, I mean, and Jackson Hayes, too. I mean, they could have a really – you add Maxi to that, man. You got you – got, solid defense there for sure so i mean and he would go into a perfect situation where he you're not going to expect too much of it. he can come off the bench play some minutes and help that second unit i mean because you know like we said i mean this new orleans team could be one of those teams that takes that next step next year if everyone's healthy obviously health is the biggest thing you know zion's dealt with his his injuries and all brandon ingram too you know so uh you know if they they're healthy man that that's that would be a great addition for them for sure he's able i think he in this in this situation too he's able to develop and one more thing about maxi i think recently what we've seen in the nba is they're kind of we're kind of trending towards a period where teams are playing a lot of drop pick and roll coverage uh mm -hmm. the best example of that is the milwaukee bucks with brooke lopez 
And I think that just puts so much of an emphasis on guards who need to put extreme ball pressure and play, uh, you know, heavily around screens, be able to stay connected through screens. Tyrese Maxey is one of those guys. He's one of the best on the point of attack for me. Uh, I think he fits really well into the NBA, especially with his defense. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So definitely be a solid pick for them for sure. All right. So we'll close out the, the lottery and we got the Portland trailblazers on the clock. Obviously, you know, uh, this is a, a fall, a big fall from making the conference finals last year for Portland, but they still have a chance to make the playoffs this year. They got to, you know, uh, finish uh, there. I think they're like four games out of that ninth seed, but uh, eight seed, but uh, obviously a disappointing season. And uh, on here, I, I think, uh, you know, um, I think uh, I would take uh, Tyrese Halliburton here. Uh, he, he, to me, he's the best player available here. You know, uh, I know people worry about his, his, his form, but it goes in. You know, it goes in, and it's that simple. You know, it goes in, and uh, he did great things at Iowa State. You know, playmaker can do pretty much a little bit of everything, which is what I love about him. And uh, like I said, the form I'm not really worried about. I mean, we see guys that have perfect form. Uh, I I go to my guy on my own team, the Kevin Knox, beautiful form. It don't go in, so I'm not too worried about that. You know, uh, he shot at a high percentage, so I'm not too worried about that. And I think this to add him to that backcourt, come off the bench. You know, I'll give him another guy off the bench, uh, uh, you know, what, uh, with Anthony Simons and, and Trent. You know, that could be, uh, uh, you know, an, add some more firepower to that bench, you know, uh, for uh, for Dame Lid and uh, and that team. So uh, I'll go Tyrese Halliburton. He's just, to me, the best player available here. So I think they take – I'll think they take him. How do you guys feel about Halliburton? I like that fit for sure. You know, him playing in a potential three-guard lineup with, you know, Lillard and McCollum. Um, Halliburton's got some size. He's at 6'5". He also could take some pressure off of, of Dame and CJ in terms of freeing them up off the ball, you know, for more catch-and-shoot opportunities from three. Uh, the one concern with Halliburton is he can't really, you know, get into the paint that well. But I also think, you know, him playing with, you know, Yusuf Nurkic as well, uh, you know, he's a good passing big. You know, he could play him at the elbow so he could free up Halliburton for some cuts. And, uh, you know, he's a really good off-ball shooter as well. So I think that'd be a really nice fit. I know we got a we got an upset uh, fan of of Wiseman uh, that he's dropped, and it's crazy that he's dropped. But we I just haven't found we haven't found the fit for him yet. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll see if he goes at fifty. But he's not a lottery pick right now, and uh, you know uh, the short sample size too uh, with with uh, Wiseman. I think it's what probably you know might worry some people. But let let's go with Orlando. We got the Magic uh, on the clock. Well, I'm sorry to say that it, it won't be James Wiseman uh, here, unfortunately. <laughs> Steven will not be happy at this. <laughs> I, I, I do like James Wiseman, but just the fit not here in Orlando, they already have a glut of bigs and the four spot, which is really just – I think that's really hindering them from going and really taking off the way they can because you have Jonathan Isaac, who's best at the four, in my opinion, same with Aaron Gordon. Mo Bamba's best at the four, but he's going to be able to five as he's gotten bigger, so that's, that's definitely helpful. But when you have guys that both play are best in the same position and they don't space the four, and Vujovic is arguably the best player already playing the five, so that's very tough. So here I'm going to go with Aaron Naismith. Um, I, I give them a, a wing that's able to help them spread the floor, can play a little bit of the two, this more of a shooting role. If you can want to play him alongside of more ball hands, that's not what his game is as a shot creator, anything of like that. But him be able to space the floor. Um, Jerry Stackhouse, tremendous coach, tremendous sets. Does a great job of getting 
all the guys on them there. Bam Baby used to run plays in general, but definitely a guy like Aaron Naismith uh, who's able to play off the ball and, and work off of Fultz and uh, Fournier, um, put the ball in Gordon's hands a little bit more so he can do that off the spot ups. Definitely, definitely a good pick. Definitely a good pick. Like you said, Jerry Stackhouse doing good things over there at Vanderbilt for sure. All right, 16. We have the Minnesota Timberwolves. And this is going to be their second first round pick. And and we gave them we gave them LaMelo Ball with their first pick. So with their second pick. With their uh for the Timberwolves here, I'm gonna go with might be a little bit of a reach, but I think he's he's worthy. I'm gonna go with De- uh, Desmond Bain. Okay, and okay. I think uh, his fit with LaMelo would be really good in terms of uh, giving LaMelo somebody he could work next to as a really competent wing defender. You know, Bain can guard up and down the lineup. One, two, three, maybe even some fours potentially. You know, elite shooter, somebody who could be, you know, a playmaker as well. And, you know, he's had a really, you know, big rise. You know, Mavs, Mavs draft on Twitter was one of the yeah, first yeah. guys. That's really his guy, man. He yeah. loved Desmond Bain. <laughs> yes, he was definitely one of the, the first guys to really be, you know, on him as, as a really good prospect. So I think, you know, him also playing him with Carl Anthony Towns, you don't have to give Towns some competent wing defenders, and Bain definitely fits that bill. And, you know, playing next to LaMelo as well could free him up a little bit more uh, for catch-and-shoot opportunities. So I really think this would be a really good pick for the Timberwolves, you know, going into, you know, adding another player into their core and, and going into the playoff chase as well in the West. Oh, yeah, for sure. This would – I mean, if the Wolves come out with a draft with LaMelo and Bain, I mean, that, that's a home run. That's an absolute home run draft for them, and they would definitely be going in the right direction for sure. I All like right. their fit with uh, Malik Beasley too, if he re-ups with, with Minnesota. Yeah, giving yeah, yeah. you know, giving Lamelo and Towns two other you know dead eye shooters and and Ben yeah. you know playmaking as well. I really think that Minnesota would see a, a big jump in their in their win total. Oh yeah, for sure, definitely for sure. All right, we got the Boston Celtics on the clock. This hurts, this hurts me. This hurts me, Chris. I'm I'm a 76ers fan, so uh, picking for the Celtics here. I, I don't want. I, don't <laughs> I hate Boston too, but so I feel the pain. Uh, I, I think you know, and I'm first of all. Let me preface by saying I'm not. I'm not uh, in on James Wiseman as a top 10 guy. I think he's around the late lottery is a great spot for him. Uh, But this is where he stops here. I think when you're looking at first round fits, uh, 17 to the Boston Celtics makes a lot of sense to me uh, for James Wiseman. One of the, you know, the the Celtics are an excellent young team. You're looking at two of the premier young wings in the NBA with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum uh, right now. Grant Williams, list goes on. Romeo Langford even is another guy that thinks is going to break out for them in the future. Um, but you know, Wiseman isn't going to, I think, help them right away defensively. Uh, I, I really worry about him on, on that side. He's kind of got slow reactionary time. Uh, but again, you're drafting a guy with just insane physical tools, you know, seven, one, two fifty, whatever he's listed as, uh, can run the floor like a beast too. Uh, you're at least going to get a high, high use or not, uh, not a high usage, a low usage, uh, highly productive rim runner from day one in James Wiseman. And I think, he can only go up from from here, and I don't buy his potential as 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 much as most, um, especially just because I have concerns about him defensively and and you know providing enough value offensively as a shooter as a decision maker that he's not just clogging the paint. But I think with Boston here, you're getting a guy that you can play in a smaller sample size, let him develop, and if he does add to his game, it's a really nice fit because I think center is one of the biggest needs for Boston. 
man, if if he falls here to ball, I mean, it would be like I would even want that because Boston just just keep getting better. I mean, we don't want that. We don't want Boston to keep getting better. I mean, if this falls, if he falls to them here, and, and obviously our draft board, this is how it goes. I mean, this would be an absolute steal, and to go and with with Brad Stevens. And, and you know the emergence of, of Jason Tatum and, and Marcus Smart and and Jalen Brown and all those guys. Them and that would be tremendous pick. I mean, he would definitely add a lot of value to that team. And and like I said, he wouldn't have to you know hit development. They could just you know they could take time with developing him. He doesn't have to force him be that guy. You know they could just ease him in. And I mean that would be an absolute tremendous pick for them if that were the case. But uh, all right, so we got the Dallas Mavericks on the clock. So Dallas here, and uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go R.J. Hampton here. Uh, I just a super freak athlete, you know, uh, you know, just could do you know a uh, slasher and stuff. He, he he's a uh, you know I know people worry about you know a lot of things. You know his defense needs work. He's another guy who whose defense is uh, needs work, but and uh, you know can can uh, can be inconsistent with his playmaking. And but uh, I feel like his his athletic ability and you know his first he's that first step is just crazy like his first step he's so fast with that first step so i feel like adding him with luca you know i think that could be a possibly a, a solid you know a solid uh uh backcourt right there so I, i'll go rj hampton with the pick here for dallas how do you guys feel about rj hampton obviously he he went overseas you know, he didn't go to college route he went overseas you know had his ups and downs as most guys do going overseas so uh, what's your guys feeling about R.J. Hampton? I mean, he's in a good spot there. I mean, I, I love the fit there in Dallas. He gets to play alongside Luka. He can go and just be a defensive playmaker, a secondary ball handler, which I, and, and playmaker, which I think is his best fit anyway. I'm not too fond of him as a primary. I think that would be a great spot for him where he can play a little more off the ball, um, I like the mechanics with the jump shot, being able to spot up and be a versatile defender. Yeah. I think the biggest thing with RJ is that so much more, and just to put it in a simple like view, so much more is going to open up for him if he's just able to make defenders respect his outside shot because he's mm -hmm. got an insane first step. Uh, I think he, he's going to end up being pretty good around the rim. He's got a solid in-between game. The biggest thing with him is just literally making a defender take a step over the screen, take a step to the side of the screen instead of just sagging off and going under because uh, then he's kind of limited in that sense. Uh, that will open up his playmaking, his, his you know rim pressure, all so much more if he's able to just knock down the three at a respectable clip. What about you, CT? How do you feel about him? Uh, just personally for my big board, I'm not really a big fan of, of Hampton, but – in terms of, you know, playing with Luca, I don't think there's a better spot for him in the, in the class than going to Dallas. You know, I think that'll take a lot of pressure off him with Luca being able to handle. Um, you know, he can really cut off the ball, but, you know, he's going to have to show that he's a capable shooter. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, I, I think he maybe could even run the second unit, you know, next to uh, to Luca. So I, I think that'd be a really good pick for them. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how uh, where, where uh, R.G. Barrett lands. All right, so we got the 19th pick. And Dallas just went, and now we have the Milwaukee Bucks. With Milwaukee here, I'm going to go with Tyrell Taylor. Uh, Tyrell Terry. Um, I, <laughs> I see that could have been the next pick there. But <laughs> yeah, Richard. <laughs> For him to yep. be. Yeah, that's a, that's a great fit. That really is a great fit. I, I love the fit. I think Milwaukee will be 
running to the podium in this situation here. Um, maybe able to spread the floor. I, I can imagine a pick and roll with him and Giannis. I think that'll be that'll <laughs> no, be you have corners there uh, with, with uh, Lopez in the corner. They're full of shooters. Uh, Dante's there, so I really like the fit. Um, he would be a, another ball handler for that team, another playmaker that they do need, and they have enough size behind it to kind of mask. It's going to need to be defensive. Um, gets, uh, I don't think he's going to get that much bigger, but at least be able to get um, strong enough to be able to hold more of his spots on both ends of the floor. Yeah, I mean, he, he's definitely – he's another riser too, for sure. He's definitely been rising up the boards for sure. So, I mean, to add him to Milwaukee, you know, uh, they could use a guard like that too, That you know uh, – and so that would be that be tremendous. Him and Giannis together, I mean, that that's that's scary to think about. So that's definitely be a good pick. All right, twentieth pick. We just got Milwaukee off the board, and we got the Brooklyn Nets. So pick number twenty, I'm gonna go with uh, Sadiq Bay, and you know he's a guy who I've watched extensively. I've you know I've seen him in person a bunch of times. You know, being a St. John's fan, you know he's he's killed you know he's killed all the Big East, <laughs> and. Uh, you know, just in terms of him playing with, you know, Kyrie Irving and uh, Kevin Durant next year, you know, hopefully, I really think that, you know, having pressure taken off of him is going to be the best thing for him. You know, playing with Durant, who's obviously, you know, elite shot maker, you know, he could also handle the ball, Kyrie Irving as well, um, could free him up to, you know, be an elite catch and shooter, elite catch and shoot player, which he is. Also, I think he's got some, you know, defensive versatility. We could guard one through four, you know, uh, Villanova, you know, test him with guarding, you know, some of the elite players and, you know, Miles Powell and, uh, you know, Devon Dotson when they played as well. And, uh, you know, some of the other guards there as well. So I think he'd be a really, really good fit, you know, next to Durant, he could play, you know, the four with Durant at the three and, you know, Kyrie playing the one. So I think he gives him another option. Who's, you know, someone who's versatile and can take some pressure off, you know, uh, Durant and Irving. And also I think he's an underrated uh, passer out of the pick and roll. So I think he could, you know, also handle the ball in some, at, you know, some parts of the game. And uh, like I said before, you know, take some pressure off of, of Kyrie and Durant. Nice, nice. Solid pick for sure. Solid pick for sure. All right. So we got the Denver Nuggets on the clock. Yeah. So I, I don't know how you're feeling about, about this pick right here, uh, CT. My, my dream for, for Denver is, is Poku at 21, but we can only dream that he falls that <laughs> I, I think uh, just staying on the side of playmaking, though, adding another playmaker – Leandro Balmaro is a, is a really nice uh, fit for Denver. That was my next pick. That was going to go and, with him. This is a guy that, you know, aside from the playmaking, aside from running the Barcelona offense as he is right now at, at such a young age, and he's just developing so extremely well, uh, this is a guy that's going to pick up full court. He's extremely ultra-competitive defensively. Yes, I think one of the better, again, sticking on point-of-attack guys, one of the better point-of-attack defenders in this draft. And Again, he's 6'7". Uh, as a guard, uh, I buy him fully as as probably a two, not so much as a one as what he's playing right now uh, overseas. But uh, someone who's going to uh, you know fit into the mold of just another playmaker uh, alongside. I mean, we're seeing guys like Bull Bull and and and, and Jokic and obviously mm-hmm. Jamal Murray and all these other guys rolling out at the one and the two spot and, and making crazy pass passes right now. And I can just imagine Balmaro in that system uh, with those big guys thriving as a passer, as a decision maker offensively. Yeah. I love his off ball movements too. He moves tremendous off the ball too. No pun intended. No pun uh, intended. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's what I love about him, man. Like you said, his, his uh, you know, he, he just, he's just a, a, 
He's a, he's a leader too, so uh, that definitely would be a good pick for them. All right, that'd be so. a, a draft Twitter dream team with you know Porter Jr., Jokic, Harrell, <laughs> going out in the scrimmages lately. It's my guy. Yes. They've been really. I think that'd be that'd be a really good fit. You know, Jokic would help him a lot. Oh, um, yeah. He's definitely have to show that he's a capable shooter, but. Yeah, yeah, he struggles from yeah. that. Yeah, especially from three. His five. biggest swing skill is, is being able to knock down shots from outside, and his mechanics aren't there right now either. So that's obviously the number one concern with Balmaro. But if he is able to develop into a capable off-ball shooter, he's pretty much situation-proof, I think. Yeah, and he, he, he would Definitely. fall into a tremendous spot in Denver, too, for sure. Yeah. So uh, that's a good spot for him. Okay. So we have the Philadelphia 76ers on the clock. So, Ethan, I'm going to try to make you proud here. And I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Grant Riller. Yes, yes. Cert- certified bucket. Tonight's pick. That, Wouldn't city. have gone anywhere else. No, I mean <laughs> certified buck. I mean he he could just shoot it from anywhere. He's just you know he he has no conscience. He just I, I love his game. He's another guy that I've been. Uh, I I think Ethan, you got me on on I think Grant Riller uh, on him uh, from the last time, and so and I've been watching so much of him. I know people worry about he went to the car. Uh, the uh, college of Charleston, and they don't really develop a lot of NBA players. So, so I think right. people worry about that. But I just watch his game, and I'm like, yeah, that translates to the league. Like, I don't care where, I don't care that he played in the small time college. I think it translates. He could shoot from anywhere, and I, I think this him in Philadelphia, man. I mean, they could use a guy like that in Philly. So, uh, I think Grant would be the pick here. How you feel about the Ethan? I want to make you proud. Uh, you, uh, you try, trust me, you did. I wouldn't have gone with Terry, <laughs> with, Terry, with Terry off the board. I wouldn't have gone anywhere else. That's a that's a dream scenario for me. The biggest thing with Philadelphia with Philadelphia is that you know we're obviously a team full of power forwards and nobody can dribble. Yeah. Uh, and that's off the bench too. And so adding a guy like Grant Riller that can create his own shot, that can space the floor, he can attack off the pick and roll. We're seeing Ben Simmons at the four now uh, mm-hmm. as well. Finally. And I think. He, yeah, finally, exactly right. Yes, <laughs> you're using him in in the correct way as kind of that off ball initiator now, where he can affect the game in so many different ways. He's thrived so far in the first two scrimmages, and I'm basically with Riller. What I'm envisioning is is taking Shake Milton, who's also been extremely successful as running the show for Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and kind of you know, playing those guys, platooning those guys. But obviously, Riller's coming into the league with just another level of space creation. Uh, and this is this is one of the probably best shot creating, you know, space creating guys that I've scouted over the last few years. And I don't care what his age is or who he played. I mean, it's on it's on the tape. And I think especially at 22 here, you're getting just tremendous value. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like I said, man, he's just a bucket. <laughs> and sometimes you just need a guy that could just flat out score and, and he, he can he could shoot it from anywhere on the floor. He has like I said, he, he's a uh, he's one of my favorite players in this draft and Philly would. This would be a great pick for Philly. So uh, we got Grant Riller off the board here for Philly, and we have the Miami Heat on the clock. With Miami Heat, I really wanted to get them another guard and playmaker. Was not one that I really feel comfortable there, and with them really giving Jimmy Butler the reins, and you have Dragic there, and you go the ways. I'm going to go with Paul Reed here. I think he's a guy that I really like. I love the versatility that he has there playing. Four, he can play a little bit of small ball five. He's a guy you would hope if he does get bigger, he can give you more of that five. But with Miami, what they're all about with that toughness playing defensively and you know getting after you, the versatility that he offers, the defensive playmaking that he offers, and just really the budding offensive skill set that he does. I think he'll be able to at least shoot from 15 to 20 to have the medium mid-range jump shot. 
I'm not – I don't think someone should take him banking on him being a 35 36% type of three-point shooter. But I think he's going to be somebody that's going to be a threat, attack off the bounce, play pick and roll as a screener. And he can go coast to coast with as well. So I think he'd be a great fit in Miami. Yeah, definitely. Definitely would be a solid pick for them. All right. So Miami off the clock. We got the Utah Jazz. Uh, for the Utah Jazz here, we're going to go with one of my guys in this class. And you know, I wrote uh, something about him on, on Crown Hoops. We're going to go with uh, Mason Jones. And I think in terms of just, you know, pairing him with Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert is that he could take some pressure off Donovan Mitchell, you know, in terms of creation, you know, Mitchell's going to have to, you know, prove that, you know, he could, you know, catch and shoot off the ball like he does now. But I think Mason Jones, you know, can really, you know, he can score in, in any way possible. You know, he could, you know, he can run an offense, you know, he could catch and shoot. Uh, he could cut as well. Uh, his, you know, space creation is, is off the charts to me in this class. And uh, I think there's definitely some worry about his defense, but he's 6'4". I think he's got some positional sides where he could guard uh, one, two, maybe even some threes. But, you know, having a guy like Rudy Gobert, you know, to back him up as a rim protector. Yeah, that helps. <laughs> would, would definitely help him. And, uh, you know, this is probably one of my favorite spots for him in the draft. You know, adding, you know, another guy who's, you know, capable of, you know, filling it up, you know, offensively. I know that's been a problem for them in the playoffs. You know, I know they've been going against Houston, but, you know, just in terms of getting another guy out there who could score and take some pressure off of Mitchell, that uh, would be really good. And I also think that Mason Jones is really an underrated passer as well. Uh, his spacing this year at Arkansas was really bad in terms of, you know, who they're playing in the front court. They couldn't really shoot. You know, just Isaiah Joe was another guy who was, you know, a capable shooter for them. So with, a you know, an open court, you know, spacing uh, with, you know, a lob throw like Rudy Gobert, I really think, you know, Mason Jones would, would really show out and, you know, help his draft stock a lot. Uh, you know, going there. Yeah, that would be definitely a good pick for them. All right, so we got the Oklahoma City Thunder on the clock. Yeah, so this is this is an interesting spot for OKC. Uh, there's a, they could go a lot of different directions here, in my opinion. This is a team that's going to have a ton of these late first round picks in the coming years, and I mean, they're 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 honestly probably they're going to be, I think, one of the better teams in the NBA just in a few years if they keep building with SGA and a few of the other guys they have. Um, and I, you know, honestly, with their current roster construction, I, I like them kind of taking a gamble here, going on potentially one of the better skill set guys in the draft. And obviously, it, it all just comes down to can he stay healthy? That's Killian Tilly from Gonzaga. He's my best player available here at 25. Uh, and I'm going with him again. You're getting a guy that, if he is able to stay healthy, just has such an extensive injury history from his time at Gonzaga. Uh, space the floor is a 6'10 big playmake. You just don't see many 6'10 guys that can, you know, shoot off the bounce, uh, you know, pass from the post like he can. He's just an extremely smart team defender uh, as well. I I'm sold on Tilly here. He's a guy with tremendous upside that if he does pan out, if he stays healthy, he's going to provide great value at the end of the first round. Yeah, can't go wrong with that. It's definitely uh, definitely one of the, the better bigs in this draft. Uh, so we got the Boston Celtics. We gave him James Wiseman. It's, and he dropped to 17. Uh, Steven was not happy about that in the comment section, but he fell there. So uh, with, with Boston, I mean, they could literally go with whatever, whoever they feel like is their top player. They'll go best player available. And uh, I'm going to give them uh, – I'm going to give them uh, – I just had uh, – I'm going to give them Josh Green from uh, from Arizona. Give him a, uh, another defensive player, you know, th uh, defensive player like that. Uh, add them to that, to a bunch of dogs on that team and, and just – just give him another guy like that, and I think that would be a, a solid pick for them, uh, for sure. How do you guys feel about that? 
can never have enough three and D guys, like you said. And no, I, I, I never have enough of them. Adding him to to especially Boston, uh, point of attack guy defensively. He's got some strides to make as a shooter, as an overall offensive player. I think he's a really underrated playmaker as well, though. Uh, I like Josh Green. He's he's pretty. I think again, pretty safe skill set, pretty safe floor for a guy like yeah, him. For sure, for sure. All right, so we got the New York Knicks at twenty-seven. Wow, Chris, hope I can make you proud here. And, and all I hope so, man. We need a lot of help, man. We need a lot of help. So <laughs> you need a lot of help, and uh, especially defensively. And yeah. here, I'm going to give you a potential All Defensive NBA team player, and Tyler Bay. I, I think okay, okay. that he's a guy that can defend pretty much any position on the floor, truly positionless with his versatility defensively. Um, he attacks off the off the bounce, uh, more of a slash or anything. The shot obviously is the swing factor here. And for me, the mechanics aren't bad. For me, it's the confidence. It's just so many times you're passing up an open shot and you're driving into trouble. Or you're taking a worse shot, you're taking a tough shot. I would much rather for you to go ahead and shoot the shot and miss it to try to keep the defense honest, have some volume with it. But I think he can be um, a, a low 30s type of guy, but his, his body is going to be defensively running the floor and um, being able to uh, handle the ball and transition on straight line. So I really do like what he can bring to the Knicks. Oh, yeah, for sure. And especially that Tibbs is there now, and you know how Tibbs is defensively. I mean, that you we're going to need guys who could stop you know, uh, the opposing player because, uh, you know, we don't have a lot of those guys on the team other than Mitchell Robinson. And, you know, uh, he's still and he's still working on his defense because, you know, he's such an athletic freak, but he fouls a lot. So he, he's got to work on that. So uh, that's definitely be a great addition uh, on top of giving them Kyra Lewis with the other first with the sixth pick. I mean, that that's definitely would be a solid get for the Knicks for those first two picks. So uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. All right. So we got the Knicks off the board. And we have the Toronto Raptors. Uh, so this is a pick. Uh, personally, this guy is not as high on my big board, but just because it's the Raptors and they've had, you know, such a successful, uh, you know, time developing players in the G League with the Nine. I think I know where he's going here. I think I know where he's going out west. We're gonna yeah. go out west. We're gonna pick uh, Jaden McDaniel's, and I think this is a really, you know, fit and team specific uh, pick. Right now, if you look at the Raptors on a five, you know, their history developing players, you know, speaks for itself. I'd say they probably arguably them and, you know, maybe the Nuggets or the Heat have arguably the best, you know, developmental uh, staff in all of the NBA where, you know, you see like a guy like Fred Van Vliet, what he was able to do in the finals last year. And, you know, Pascal Siakam, you know, taking the leap into being that type of superstar player this season, where I think that the upside with McDaniels is too, you know, tough to, to miss at this pick, you know, this late in the draft at, at 28. But I think, you know, they would be able to, you know, get some value out of McDaniels. You know, there's he definitely had his struggles this year. There's no doubt about it. You know, he was touted as a guy who was maybe going to go in the top 10 this year. Yeah. But, you know, I think his skill set uh, would be a really nice fit, you know, next to Lowry, next to Siakam, you know, adding another, you know, Terrence Davis, another guy this year that they developed is mm -hmm. having, uh, you know, some guy who's, you know, he's about 6'8", you know, he's a tall, lengthy defender. He can guard up and down the lineup. He's definitely going to have to add weight. Uh, you know, I like the shot long term where he could he could be a uh, you know capable shooter. You know, he could play make as well, taking some pressure off of Siakam. You could probably even play him at the at the four. So I think you know there's no better spot than the Raptors 905. And you know, playing him, I would honestly, if I was them, I'd play him in the G League for a full season. You know, get him some more strength and conditioning. You know, 
uh, sharpening his skills as a shooter. He's a playmaker, a defender as well. So, you know, I think this, you know, this pick, you know, late in the draft 28, I think Jaden McDaniels is going to be, you know, really great value and, and have some really nice upside. Nice, nice. Okay, so we got the Los Angeles Lakers at pick 29. If there's any Lakers fans listening out here, like this is a dream come true draft. The the sweet spot of this draft, I think, is the depth. You're getting it. You're I think at this spot, you can't really go wrong with who you're gonna get uh, in terms of guys that can just you know fit in and and, and make a contribution to the team right away. Uh, this is someone that's not as high on my big board as where I'm about to draft him, but Nico Mannion I think fits really well with the with the Lakers at the end of the first round. Still super young, obviously didn't have the season uh, that you know many expected him to have. Uh, at Arizona this year. He's currently, I think, in the late 30s on my board, but I'm going to take him at 29 because fitting him into already a great culture with obviously LeBron James, Anthony Davis, all these other veterans that the Lakers have, and getting another playmaker, another potential spot-up shooter that can you know shoot really well off the catch, off the dribble, uh, and do a number of things while also hiding him defensively by how well the Lakers play team defense, I, I think could fit really well. I like Mannion. I also like Isaiah Joe here to the Lakers in terms of just uh, shooting in, in space creation. Okay. Nico, I feel like Nico Mannion is another guy that I feel like he's known forever, too. Like, he's, he's definitely uh, – definitely would be a solid pick here for the Lakers. And, and develop, develop him, uh, that would definitely be a solid pick. All right, so we got the last pick in the first round, and we got the Boston Celtics. And uh, I did this in my last one, and I'm going to do it again in this year. I'm going to take Big Vern, Vernon Carey from Duke. Um, I feel like, I know, yes, I know defensively, <laughs> it, it, I, we know that it's going to be a struggle for him. Pick and rolls, you could eat him up. It's kind of like Jahilo Okafer, but uh, I feel like offensively, he's still a bull and they could use, like I said, to add Wiseman and him, add some bulls off the bench, you know, two guys, big guys like that. I mean, you can't you can't go wrong. You still need size in this league and, and Vern can definitely move in the paint and uh, and do some things as offensively, you know, he, he's developed a, you know, a, a perimeter game too. So he could definitely help you there too. So uh, I, I'm going to go Vernon Carey and that's the first Duke off. I believe that's the first Duke blue devil off the board too. So maybe that's biased because I'm a Duke fan too. So maybe that's why I did too. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, uh, how do you guys feel before, before we end this, how you feel about Vern, big Vern? I was surprised for him to go there. I mean, I'm a Duke guy as well. Uh, I get a lot of grief for that despite going to UVA. But, uh, <laughs> no, but I'm surprised to see him go ahead of fellow Duke guys and Trey Jones and then also Cassius Stanley. And then as far as bigs, Jalen Smith. I know we'll get to this, but I'm yeah, very surprised yeah. he got the first round. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it was tough. I mean, I like Jalen Smith too. I dig Jerry Smith, but uh, I, I still I still think Vernon is a first-round talent. You know, I know people may not be as high as him as me, but I still feel like Vernon Carey is, uh, is a first-round talent. Offensively, he, he's still gifted. And, uh, you know, like I said, uh, to add him to Boston, uh, to go with to go with James Wiseman here, I mean, they could have two big men, uh, you know, come off the bench for them and develop them and to see how they do all down the line. But it'll be interesting to see. But that concludes – Another uh, first round mock draft, the second edition. Um, this was fun, guys. Uh, so before I let you guys go, just give me a couple sleepers that uh, guys that a lot of people may have not be uh, thinking about right now. Uh, CT, you go first. Well, in terms of the first round, you know, I picked uh, Mason Jones. He's definitely one of my sleepers. Um, in terms of the second round, I want to go with um, a guy who's got a lot of you know mainstream hype lately is uh, Tyshawn Alexander. 
You know, I've watched him extensively in the Big East. He also played in the uh, – I don't know if any of you see, saw last summer he played in the Pan American Games, you know, on Peru with a bunch of the Big East guys like Miles Powell. You know, Mustafa Heron was there as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he really showed out as somebody who played against, you know, some uh, professional competition. You know, he held his own, you know, defending, you know, multiple players. You know, I'd say he's one of the better – uh, guard defenders in the draft where you can guard, you know, one and two, and that's something that's extremely valuable where you can guard, you know, the elite point guards, you can guard shooting guards. And uh, I think he's an underrated playmaker where you can play him on the ball, but also, you know, he's an elite shooter as well. And you can't have, you know, can't have, you know, enough shooters on the court. So, you know, he's another guy that I like. Uh, I'm going to stay in the Big East. I'm going to stay with uh, Najee Marshall. It's uh, a guy who's been, you know, up and down a lot of people's boards, but I'm particularly high on him. He's got positional size. At 6'7", you know, he reminds me of – I'm going to plug a nugget here. I'm going to plug uh, Will Barton. He reminds me a lot of Will Barton in terms of um, what he is now because Will wasn't – you know, he wasn't as good back then as, you know, how he is now. But yeah, Will Barton turned into – definitely. He's turned into one of the better, you know, starting uh, wings in the league. So, I think, you know, Marshall's he's going to have to, you know, improve his jump shot for sure. You know, percentages weren't really that great this year. But I wasn't a fan of the spacing that he had, you know, playing next to Quinton Gooden and – uh you know, some of the other guys they had. But, you know, I think he's going to be a really good defender. You know, he's pretty versatile. He's long at, at six seven, And, uh, you know, I really think he's, you know, he's pretty slithery in the paint, in the pick and roll. He can make some reads. And uh, I think the shooting will come around. But just in terms of, you know, him having positional size and uh, an improving jump shot, and he's also got a great IQ, you know, on the ball. And, you know, he's very athletic as well. So I'd say those are, are probably two of my sleepers in this play. What about you, Jim? Well, CT, you took two of the guys that I like, but I'm mean, not surprised you got some great minds, you know, on this podcast. Well, Sam Merrill's a guy that I really like. Uh, I've liked him for a while. Um, I understand some of the athleticism concerns, but he is about 6'4", 6'5", very good shooter. Um, I'm not looking for him to go and go ISO and create a lot for himself, although that's, you know, some of it in his game, but he won't be able to translate it to the level that he did on the cause level to the NBA level, but I value his decision making in the secondary role, I think he can play a little bit in that pick and roll. You know, gets the pull up jump shot. He's very crappy. There's touch and he's going to be able to space the floor. And then Mamadi Diakiti as well. I, I really like his ability to, first of all, I mean, defense. Like, we know what Tony Van that pack by what UVA is about defensively, understanding how, know how to play defense, especially within the scheme and helping understand rotations. The, Weak side run protection that he offers, the budding touch there, shot creation as well. But he's going to have an easy fit um, from day one, being able to be a rim runner, pick and roll threat, um, just a finisher as well. Yes, yes. What about you, Ethan? Who's your guys? Uh, just two guys that I'll, I'll list that I had in the first round. One of them being Lamine Janay from Cal State Northridge, kind of under the radar this year. I actually had the chance to, to sit down with him recently and, and, and just kind of talk to him about the draft process. But uh, I'm super big on at least, you know, playing this super small conference like the Big West out here. Uh, he, he's, he's someone that's going to have to go to a place where he can develop. But a guy with just tremendous physical tools, 6'7", with, with, uh, with kind of budding guard skills. You saw many times uh, – at Cal State Northridge this year where he's grabbing a rebound. He's going coast to coast. Uh, I think just an excellent defender as well. Uh, in the limited – you saw him matching up with guys like Derek Alston Jr. from Boise State and holding his own. Uh, I, I'm really big on Lamine Janae. I also buy him as a, as a shooter. I think 
if he's able to go to a spot like the Raptors or somewhere else like that, then you're looking at a guy that can really develop. Uh, but just one more guy that I'll throw out there uh, is Skylar Mays from LSU. Big fan of Skylar Mays, and I love him in the second round. Kind of has an old man game, just does everything right. Probably the best pump fake in the draft. Good defender, uh, can knock down outside shots. Uh, kind of leaves some, some to be desired. Sometimes you want him to do a little bit more. But just an excellent college player at LSU. I think he fits really well in almost any, uh, any environment, especially with his maturity off the court uh, in round two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I got a few guys too. About I've talked about these guys a lot, but Eugene Herman from LLU. I mean, just a, another guy who could just get you a bucket. You know, average third twenty points a game the last three years uh, of his college career, and you know, he like I said, he, he could just score at will too. Uh, he can attack the basket, and I definitely love his game. And Isaiah Mike too from SMU, uh, another guy that you know, big dude, six eight, six nine. You know, uh, could do a little bit of everything, three and D guy. Uh, definitely another prospect that uh, uh, I think uh, he, he's rising a little bit on the boards. And so uh, I think he'd be another uh, deep sleeper in this draft. But guys, this was this was so much fun. I appreciate you all you guys coming on and and uh, uh, and, and giving knowledge to uh, to me. You know, I'm still learning about a lot of these guys. That's why I have you guys on the show to give me more knowledge, to give the viewers more knowledge. And you guys have been absolutely tremendous. CT Jam, Ethan, you know, Ethan, you know, we've been you know, and uh, you know, we've been talking for a while, especially you know, before uh, the the pandemic happened. And, and CT Jams, you know, I've I've been uh, it's been fun to follow you guys on Twitter and, and get your knowledge. And uh, I'm like I said, I'm very happy that all three of you got to be on the show because this this was fun. And uh, you know, uh, uh, like I said, you guys are just you guys know so much, and, and I'm just happy to to be able to get you guys on this platform and, and let people know that you guys just know so much your knowledge is there about all these players and players that people might not have heard of so thank you for coming on but before i let you guys leave i want you guys to plug where you know your social medias or uh, uh, the websites you're working on so uh ct you go first uh, so i've been writing some some pieces about you know not only the draft but uh nba it's coming out soon i got another piece coming out about second round sleepers on uh, crownhoops.com mm -hmm. uh, so i've got some stuff on there and you can follow me on twitter at uh, CT Fazio 24 so I'll be putting out some more draft content, probably another big board in a week with some uh, some updated rankings and changes. So, uh, yep, you can follow me there on Crown Hoops and also just on my Twitter at, uh, you know, CT Fazio. Cool, cool. What about you, Jim? Oh, first of all, thanks for having me. It was great to be on this with some great minds to kind of have a little think tank, if you will, throughout this process. Um, but so you can catch a lot of my work on the Lee Sports Media uh, we do a lot of scouting reports. I'm going to do some more draft focus and draft building stuff coming up as well. And then I also am doing some stuff in the basketball tech world. Hope to have something out soon around player evaluation, player development, and um, just kind of a, a uniform way to uh, to scout and evaluate and just have a think take within the community that way. So I'm looking forward to see how that goes. And you can definitely give me a follow and see some of my work on Twitter, Jam on the boards, J-A-M on the boards. Ethan? Awesome, yeah, and thanks for having me on again, Chris, and uh, being, you know, being with these guys on here is definitely definitely something um, that I like to do because it just furthers my knowledge in, in the way that I think about certain fits and certain prospects and whatnot. Uh, but you can follow me at, on Twitter at Ethan Piotti. You can follow my podcast at Prospect Pod. We drop weekly draft episodes uh, with, with my partner, uh, Alex Brown, who – who writes for Advanced Pro Basketball. Uh, as for me, uh, you can also follow the Prospect Podcast on YouTube. I drop scouting reports 
and I kind of do video breakdowns and video interviews with with uh, with certain prospects. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, guys, like I said, this was absolutely tremendous. I'm glad to have three of the brightest minds in the NBA draft world on. And, you know, uh, we're going to get basketball back, too. So that's that's going to be great, too. You know, we're getting basketball back in a few days. So I'm sure we're all excited about that. And, uh, you know, uh, the draft will be in, in October. So we, you guys going to have a whole lot of time to, to evaluate a, a, a more as much. You know, I'm sure you guys have been, you know, uh, going crazy with these evaluations. But uh, like I said, I appreciate all three of you coming on the show and sharing and dropping knowledge uh, for, for me and the viewers. And thank you for everyone who's been watching uh this this uh this facebook live and uh you know uh like i said this was fun and uh you know that that's it for episode two of the nba draft uh show uh like i said guys uh, make sure to be safe you know because you know obviously the craziness in the world be, be safe with the with the with all the crazies with corona and all that and you know continue to 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 grind with all the work great work you guys are doing i i i, I make sure to to what you know, uh, to jot down all the notes from from your guys, from all your guys' scouting reports and all that. And I'm big fan of you guys. That's why I have you on the show. So, like I said, thank you for coming on and take care. Continue success for all three of you guys. And I'm sure I'll talk to you guys still soon. All right, take care, guys. Peace. Y'all be safe. Thanks nice for having me on, Chris. Appreciate it. Great no talking problem. to you guys. Great talking to you guys.